Hello, happy 2015, and welcome to I Guess We're Grownups Now on the goodstuff.fm podcast network. I am your host, fellow adult, Carrie Halstead, and this year is your favorite podcast about being a grown-up and all of the horrible awesome that goes with it. This particular episode is episode 12, and so links and show notes can be found at goodstuff.fm slash grownups slash 12. Over the past few weeks, I took a bunch of days off work and then missed some work being sick and was fortunate enough to spend time with some of my nearest and dearest friends and to pay attention to what's going on in the world and on the internet. As I watched the news and talked with friends, there was this theme that kept cropping up, the tension between saying things and not saying things. So today I want to explore that a bit, my own experiences and what I've heard or noticed other people going through. And at the end, I have a request, a call out to you, my listeners. First, let's talk about some of the pros of saying more, and then we'll talk about the pros of saying less. By saying more, I mean seeking out a platform and using it as a form of self-expression or to talk about things that are going on in your life or just as a creative outlet. So as far as I can tell, there's two main pros to saying more. The first is having your story told. This is a biggie. And in my mind, the whole point of things like blogging and podcasting, late night conversations with your friends, writing books, having postmortems, the literal kind and the kind at the end of a work project, holding inquests, etc. The whole point of those things is to have a story be told. Not facts, but story. Humans are storytelling creatures, and I think having a story told satisfies needs in the middle and upper echelons of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, such as love and belonging and self-actualization, and it facilitates satisfying needs lower down in the hierarchy, more core needs such as safety and securing of resources. The second pro to saying more is connecting with people who respond to hearing the story and building a feeling of community. Sharing stories is key. Having a private diary provides a certain kind of satisfaction, but sharing my story and learning other people's stories is significantly more useful. Knowing that other people are going through what I'm going through or what they're doing differently or that I don't have even remotely the biggest problems in the world, all by listening to other people's stories, these are hugely valuable to me. But I think for most of what we say in public, especially when socializing in real life or on the internet, it's not done for those reasons, the telling of the narrative or connecting with people. We just blurt out what's on our mind, talking for talking's sake. We turn out another podcast with another guest because Tuesday is the best day for releasing an episode. So a big part of adulthood is practicing saying less, ostensibly in the hope that when we do speak, it's something of value. So let's look at the pros of saying less. Pro number one, not looking stupid. If you say a lot of things, eventually you're going to say something wrong. What's the quote variously attributed to Abraham Lincoln or Mark Twain or Proverbs? Better to remain silent and be thought a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. As a general smarty pants, know-it-all brainy type who hates being wrong, but who also has a podcast that delves into life's uncertainties and embarrassments, I find that this notion that shutting up about something you know, with air quotes around it, 
creates a very uncomfortable tension in me. But it is true that not blathering on about factual things does decrease the frequency with which you say something completely wrong, which is arguably worth it. Maybe. Sometimes. Okay, pro number two of saying less, not being called out. An inevitable follow-up to saying something wrong or something perceived as wrong is someone calling you stupid. In fact, among siblings, true friends, and internet strangers, you don't even have to have screwed up that much in order for someone to say, you're an idiot. While I'm all for learning humility and embracing learning experiences with grace, too much attention to my mistakes is worth avoiding. Worse is just the abuse some people take just for having an opinion or trying to do work on the internet while being female or black or trans or what have you. Pro number three, not rocking the boat. Saying stuff other people don't like tends to get them huffy. If you're confrontation averse or you like not to worry about whether other people are mad at you, speaking less might be for you and you probably don't need me telling you that. This is something I suck at and my husband is fantastic at. There's no unbroken situation around the house I don't feel qualified and inspired to speculate about. He'd rather things that are just working not get mucked with. That is disgust ad nauseum. He is wise. Another pro to saying less is not getting fired. I know a lot of us stop short of saying a lot of things because we're mindful of the repercussions at work. Staying employed and employable is a worthwhile cause for sure. Our workplaces hold a lot of power over us, and there are many examples of people keeping all kinds of things quiet because they think it will be better in the end professionally. This, of course, can be very ill-advised depending on what story isn't being told, see Gian Gameshi and numerous others, or it can be very wise. Unfortunately, I don't have any great examples here because the people involved haven't talked. Maybe this is part of why we're less inclined to keep our traps shut. Successful instances of shutting up are, by definition, unheard of. Another pro to saying less, not hurting people. I cannot count the number of times I've said something that inadvertently hurt someone, or something that I'm guessing hurt them, it's only now in my middle age that I'm starting to learn to stop, 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 and think before I say flippant things, whatever's on my mind, and just not say it. And in retrospect, realize it would have been a hurtful thing to say. I regret saying many clever, hurtful things in my life, and saying less definitely avoids that. So here's one that's maybe not obvious, but one of the benefits to you saying less is not hearing spoilers. <laughs> Seems trivial after what we were just talking about. A few months ago, uh, Twitter and podcasts spoiled a major event in House of Cards for me. Someone told me who died in Downton Abbey. Okay, I get it. Secrets a few months old can't be helped. But there's also this thing where I'd tell people I was watching some movie and they'd say something like, ooh, great show, but I don't want to spoil it for you. A movie up until this point, I hadn't known there was anything to be spoiled. So frustrating. Knowing that there is an upcoming twist or reveal spoils the movie. 
I like my twists fresh and cutting like the first time I saw, spoiler, spoiler alert, the usual suspects. I've taken to not telling people when I'm watching things. Like recently I watched Twin Peaks for the first time. And while I wanted to be reacting all over Twitter about it or Googling show details, I was paranoid that there would be spoilers or that someone would say, oh, you love what happens with Audrey. And then I'd be waiting for that moment when in an out of proportion way. Do you know what I mean? Or or I watched all of Broadchurch before talking about it because I didn't want anyone saying, oh, I was so shocked at the end or even, oh, the ending was kind of meh because that gives information I don't want. So I just don't want to talk about it on the internet until I'm done. No one cares what I'm watching on Netflix anyway. I might be a little worked up. Time for a sponsor break. Happily for all of us, I guess we're grownups now, is sponsored by Campaign Monitor. Campaign Monitor is a company that helps you create, send, monitor, and manage email newsletters. Goodstuff.fm uses Campaign Monitor to create our nice-looking, informative, and always clever newsletters. I've browsed a gallery at campaignmonitor.com gallery. And you know who else has used Campaign Monitor? The Foo Fighters. New Zealand Red Cross. UNICEF Sweden. I defy you to find three more upstanding organizations. You can't. There are thousands of others also using Campaign Monitor's helpful resources and tools to create email newsletters that look great everywhere, including on mobile devices. Thanks to Campaign Monitor for supporting good stuff, and I guess we're grown-ups now. Here's another thing about keeping quiet about stuff. I don't want to become one of those people who talks a big game but never delivers. Maybe you don't mind being seen as that type, but I mind. I like to undercommit and overdeliver. At work, that's my motto. And I hate status reports that force me to guess what discretionary things I'll be working on in the next month because they rarely happen in that time period. And I feel unproductive to constantly move things forward every month. In my personal life, sometimes I'll tell my closest confidence what I have planned, but otherwise I prefer to announce to the world what I have done after it's there. Working code wins arguments, as they say in my business. Another benefit to saying less is having the chance to pause and reflect. Not every event calls for my hot take online or in real life. I don't have to be Charlie. I don't have to re-announce every celebrity death. I'm not required under Twitter's terms of service to verbalize every time something offends or interests me, especially when it doesn't affect me. Changing your default response from react to think, consider, cool down, see the big picture lets you say things that are more meaningful, contributive, and not just noise. Another benefit to saying less is really hearing people. It's a well-known fact, often forgotten, that when you're talking or when you're simply waiting for your turn to talk, you aren't listening. Also, most people know lots of things and have lots of experiences that you do not have and have not done. If you want to be a better person, stop spending the time they're talking, composing your next genius takedown or insight, and listen to what they say, and then think about it. Conversations aren't a race to the prize. Basically, try to remember that other people have valuable stories too. 
Similarly, when you're spouting off, especially if your voice is powerful, either in an auditory or in a social capital sense, you're probably talking over people who need to be heard. The world would be a better place if the loudest weren't always the ones being heard. Once in a performance review, my manager gave me this really weird piece of feedback. At the time, I was working on a really smart team of natural leaders, and we had lively meetings with lots of ideas and opinions and analysis being thrown around. And what my manager told me was that I needed to not always be the first one to pipe up with suggestions, that sometimes I needed to sit on my own smart thoughts and let other people talk first, that I was shutting others out because I was so quick on the draw. In school, this behavior was always rewarded. It always paid off to be the first person with the right answer. But on a team in a creative job, it really only matters if a good solution is eventually developed and that the team continues to function well. Me being first wasn't always helping. Plus, she assured me if my idea was the best one, that conclusion would eventually be reached. But we would all be better off if a greater diversity of ideas was heard first before that conclusion was drawn. Plus, often I was just saying what others were already thinking, but hogging the credit by saying it first. And really, I never felt unheard after that. I always got my turn, and my brilliant teammates came up with the same good ideas I had, or sometimes even better. So likely everyone felt better, which is more important than me getting an A. And finally, one last benefit to saying less is having something to say when you meet your friends face to face. Ever have this conversation? So Friday I went to the fair. Oh yeah, I saw your pictures on Instagram. And Saturday I had a fight with my boyfriend. Ah, so that's what the vague tweets were. And and Sunday I watched Avengers. Right, Facebook told me your Netflix activity. Like maybe if your friends aren't seeing your every move on social media, You can have a complete conversation about what you're doing these days. That's quite the list. So let's review. The pros of saying more are telling your story and connecting with people. The pros of saying less are not looking stupid, not being called out, not rocking the boat, not getting fired, not hurting people, not hearing spoilers, not being one of those people who just talks a big game, pausing to reflect, really hearing people, not talking over people, letting other people have the good ideas sometimes, and having something to talk about with your friends. So this is kind of a funny thing. I started by making this list of pros and cons for saying more or less, specifically a list of pros of saying more, and then a pros of saying less, which is really pros of saying less plus cons of saying more. The lists are are very lopsided and not in the direction I'd expect. When people tell you to make a list of pros and cons, usually the implication is that you'll go with the longer list when you make your choice. But despite all evidence to the contrary, we still seem to think that saying more is a better choice based on our behavior, for worse or for better. Why is having our story told and connecting with people so important to us? that it overrides our need to not look stupid and not hurt other people and all the other things. It's like we're so desperate to connect that we take the approach of throw everything at the wall and see what sticks. 
Certain people choose to tell their story, connect and encourage others at great personal risk. Putting your story out there can leave you open to judgment, criticism, and personal attacks. But there are people who do it all the time as a service to those who need to hear that they aren't alone and that they have options and futures and people who are going through the same thing. I used to be of the mind that marginalized people or people going through unique circumstances owed it to some degree to their communities to share their stories. I'm not so sure anymore. People who tell their stories make themselves vulnerable. They aren't believed. They're criticized. They're found out and punished and blamed. They're attacked, doxxed, swatted, chased off the internet. I think people shouldn't be talked into talking. Like, quitting smoking or drugs. I think people who maybe could benefit from telling their story, including when others could benefit from hearing it, should want to come on their own to a place where they are willing and even eager to tell it. They shouldn't be coerced or guilted or pressured into telling it. They deserve to be coming into this arena where they are open to attack from a place of strength. Unfortunately, this means that mostly extroverts and people who like talking and people who are privileged enough to be approaching their lives from a place of security and strength get their stories told. It leaves a lot of vulnerable people who aren't ready or willing to talk, unable to access the benefits provided by having their story told. A couple things that can mitigate this in the case where someone really wants to tell their story but is afraid of the backlash and really wants people in a similar position to feel like they aren't alone, anonymity and numbers. So anonymity. Some people say anonymity is for weak people to hide behind. I I say right, and the problem with that is it is absolutely for vulnerable people to hide within. When I think about how numbers can mitigate the problem, I think about the It Gets Better campaign and what it must have been like for the people in those videos to be out on YouTube in highly popular spots. I think the reason they crammed those videos so full of the words and faces of so many people, famous and not, into those videos is partly to protect the participants. If lots of people are coming out, it's safer in the way that vulnerable people need to feel safe. There's definitely a gendered aspect to all of this. The New York Times recently published an opinion piece by Sheryl Sandberg and Adam Grant called Speaking While Female. And in it, they quoted all kinds of research about studies into women speaking out, having their story told in a professional setting. I quote, Suspecting that powerful women stayed quiet because they feared backlash, Professor Breskel looked deeper, she asked professional men and women to evaluate the competence of chief executives who voiced their opinions more or less frequently. Male executives who spoke more than their peers were rewarded with 10% higher ratings of competence. When female executives spoke more than their peers, both men and women punished them with 14% lower ratings. As this and other research shows, Women who worry that talking, quote, too much will cause them to be disliked are not paranoid. They're often right, end quote. But here's the thing. There are lots and lots and lots of things worth speaking up about. So many stories that are worth being told. And today, so many platforms to publish them on. 
I want to tell lots of stories and to facilitate many, many people telling their own. I think Twitter is an interesting medium for experimenting with saying more and less. Twitter provides or can provide a level of optional anonymity, and it provides some level of privacy and control using locked accounts. It also provides the numbers mitigation where there's lots of people connecting and telling the story, their stories where you can be a voice in a crowd of voices that otherwise would be disconnected from each other. However, Twitter has its flaws when it comes to telling your story and being heard. There's an anti-pattern where if I retweet something that someone I admire has said, I'll often get responses, almost always from guys, sort of having their two cents or contradicting or fixing spelling mistakes in the original tweet aimed at both me and the original tweeter as though as though we'd care what that guy thought. It's very troubling. And it keeps me from saying, it keeps me from retweeting people who I admire and don't deserve the miscellaneous microaggressive feedback that some of my followers provide. So I say less, but I am learning lots. My friend Hillary had a recent post that I'll link to in the show notes where she talked about just listening on Twitter and and learning so much from the people you're following. I really hope Twitter never games our feeds to customize them as to what we think what they think we might be interested in. I need the off topic and the off interest stuff. Podcasting is an interesting platform for having your story told. I'd love to provide a platform with this podcast for people who want to talk about their adulthood, not just straight, white, middle-class cis people. But I'm also not going to work too hard to convince people to come on the show. Talking to the media, which is what this podcast is, isn't always in your best interest. It is making yourself more vulnerable, which is what's horrible and awesome about it. To truly connect with people, you do have to become vulnerable. But again, I'm not going to talk you into it if you're not willing. Which doesn't mean I'm not going to talk about my podcast. This isn't passive aggression. When I talk about my podcast with my friends or on Twitter, I'm not trying to talk you into anything or trick you into it. But I do have a podcast that I will talk about. And I do want to get more guests on it. There's a lot of shows I'd like to do in 2015. There's the garden variety discussions that are personal, but not in a way that most people balk at. I want to do a show on public speaking, and I have a friend who will come on the show and be a guest for that. I want to talk about what your hobbies are. I want to talk about the very adult skill of being organized. I want to talk about what it's like to wake up in the morning sore and you're not sure why, but that part of getting older, the physical side of it. I want to talk about making friends as adults. There have been a lot of good things written about that. And I think it's a skill and a practice that a lot of us are having to deal with. I'd love to talk about home ownership, about having a lawyer, about dressing like a grown-up, whatever that means. I'd like to talk about going to parent-teacher interviews And I'd love to talk about nostalgia and and the role that plays in our adult lives. And then there's another group of topics that I'd love to talk about with somebody that are slightly more personal because it involves things like our families and our jobs. 
and things that we might not want to air necessarily. But if you want to talk about this with me, I'd, I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to talk about elder care, taking care of our aging parents. I'd love to talk about parenting adult children. I'd love to talk about having really grown-up jobs, real corporate-like jobs, and what that's like as an adult. And I'd love to talk about being a mentor, meeting our heroes, and who our inspirations are in life as we get older. And then there's this third set of topics, another level deeper, another level more private. And when I raise them as potential show topics, people really don't seem interested in talking about it on the record. And I get that. So this will probably take some special people. But I'd love to have a show that talks about vices in the sense of embracing them. I'd love to talk to somebody who's like totally into and owns like their smoking, drinking, gambling, porn habits. I want to talk about social lying. Why, why do we lie? And, and, and when is it okay? And when is it not okay? I'd really like to talk about adult ADHD. And one that is particularly close to me because I don't fit into it, but I think it's a fascinating topic and life choice is, is the adult choice of not having children. I would love to have guests on talking about these things. These are highly personal, private topics, and they open up the speaker to criticism and judgment, and I get that. And I can understand if no one wants to come on my podcast and talk about their private life or other for other people's entertainment purposes, or even, even if they understand that it could also support and edify other people. But if you do want to talk with me about any of these things, if you can provide some sort of proof that you are indeed an adult, I'd be delighted to have a conversation with you as a podcast episode. And you can contact me using the contact link on my podcast webpage at goodstuff.fm slash grownups. And let's talk about you coming on the show. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Show links, as always, are at goodstuff.fm slash grownups slash 12. And you can find us on iTunes where you can rate and review the show if you like it. And you can also subscribe so that you can get every new episode as it comes out. Welcome to the new year. Thanks for listening.